Hello and welcome to The Backbench. Today we'll be talking about Farage's antics and what's happening in the UK. Following that, we'll get out our boarding passes and look at international elections, as well as what's hot in Bolivia. In part three, we'll discuss everyone's favorite never-ending topic, the US primaries, followed by a bit of forced family fun at the end. Join us as we try to round up everything that's happened in the world from this last week with insightful analysis and great chat that you can only get here. Of course, none of this would be possible without my co-host, Bob and Gavin. Hello, Jeremy, it's, it's, or, or Jez, I think I, I should be calling you. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's good to be here, uh, it's, as it is always, every week. Um, nice to be back. Yeah, it's, it's less good to travel here because it's flipping cold outside. Um, <laughs> Turns out Scotland is cold. Uh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's at least a little bit better than I think it is back where I'm from, where it is mm-hmm. probably seven inches under just blanket snow coverage. Blanket snow coverage. Is that you know, that's Boston, isn't it? Yeah, is yeah, it yeah. Terrible, terrible snow. Terrible snow. Uh, just, oh, the, the, the hours I have spent shoveling. <laughs> <laughs> it's legendary. Um, so, yeah. How, how's your day been? My day, my day's been good, thank you. Um, oh. Been slightly under the weather. Had to... Had to miss my tutorial, unfortunately, earlier. Oof, um, oof. But hey, we're back at it now. It's that um, fresh as life. You know? Fresh as life, fresh I know. As life. Absolutely mental. Um, um, anyway, part one, part the UK. Gethin, do you the, fancy giving us giving us a short, short instruction? What's What's been going on? Good old United Kingdom of Greater Britain and Northern Ireland continues um, in this whole general election thing that they insist on doing. <laughs> um, basically, the, the poll story is pretty much the same as it was last week. Um, Critically, Labour have managed to reduce the Tories' lead mm-hmm. uh, from quite a lot uh, to slightly less. Uh, so <laughs> basically, the Tories still have like an eight-point lead in the polls. But right. the, the important thing to bear in mind here is that Labour have managed to pick up about three points. Okay. This puts them exactly where they were this time, like in the last campaigning cycle. Yeah. Um, so they're making up the same amount of ground at the same rate as they were last time. Now, th- this right. has led to a lot of people going, hey, this is, they're going to they're gonna do really well again. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Who knows? Who, who knows? Well, unlike 2017, we have two pretty formidable, well, possibly others as well. Uh, one we'll call minor parties. Yeah. Um, what's going on with them? So basically, the Lib Dems have stuck. They're about mm-hmm. 16%. They were about mm-hmm. 16 last week. That yep. um, Nothing's happening. They were getting a little bit squeezed previously. Now they've sort of stabilized. Right, okay. Um, the Brexit Party and the Greens, however, uh, are, are getting squeezed pretty heavily. Right. And, and you know, we'll, we'll get to why in a second. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, ba- basically, it's 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 interesting. We'll, we'll see how it pans. If there's another, like, two-point uh, gain in the next week, mm-hmm. uh, then you can probably put some stock in the narrative that Labour are actually starting to catch up and, and that uh, it's going to look like um, the... 2017 election. However, so far it's it's difficult to tell. Um, there's also a really interesting Northern Irish Northern Irish poll, um, right. which we love a good poll. We love a good poll, especially from Northern I- Northern Ireland is just flipping weird. Um, <laughs> but the DUP, the DUP <laughs> seem to have lost quite a lot of ground, uh, which is always interesting. It's 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 kind of funky. So we'll see how that. How many seats? They have eight seats at the moment. Uh, ten. Ten, something ten, in that ballpark. Some, something around that. Not, not I, an, th- not an insignificant amount. Yeah. Um, but hey, so we'll see. This week, um, yeah. well, should we say in the last week? In the last week. We're filming this on Thursday, so it doesn't lend itself brilliantly to kind of normal weekly divides. No. <laughs> um, we've had Farage Ooh. and the Brexit Party. Uh, well, more, more just Farage. Let's, okay, let's more just Farage. <laughs> um, give us some very interesting uh, updates. Uh so the Brexit Party will not be fielding candidates in the 317 seats that the Conservatives won at the last election, um, citing he doesn't want to challenge uh, challenge the Conservative Party, who he views as uh, the only party willing to to carry out Brexit um, in the way that he wants it. In the way be, that he wants to it be to done. be done. Um, I mean, <laughs> it was, there was quite amusing rumor that he was offered a lordship. Uh, in the 48 hours before uh, he, he made that uh, surrender. Link? Let's face it. It's a surrender <laughs> move. He's, he's surrendering to, to, to Boris. Oh, right. And uh, it, it, that, it's, it's Johnson that that has a say in that. No? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so so if, if, if Boris wanted to make him a lord, he totally could. Mm. Um, lord Farage. Yeah, but, but, but he also suggested <laughs> at the same time that he might vote Tory, which would be the <laughs> first time, the first time, I think, in all of British political history that a leader of one political party would say that he'd vote for another. Especially when he had so much hand in 
building the party himself. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's, it's a Farage party. It is basically he, he like this party's constitution gives him practically dictatorial powers over how they they run everything, in, including this decision. So it's it's a bit weird. It's kind of like hosting your own 18th birthday party and deciding to go to someone else's on the same night. What is it with you and the 18th birthday parties? You Have can you make been an, scarred. You can make a lot of analogies. <laughs> you bring them up like you bring them up last week. Jeez. Um. So so. What implications will this have on the election? It's probably going to be better for, for the Tories. Probably going to be better for the Tories. You know, if you have less competition over your, for your core demographics, it's pro- probably going to be good. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, obviously, obviously, this is good news for the Tories. Yeah. Um, but it does not make it, in my opinion, a a sealed win by any means. Well, no. Um, there's still a lot. Yeah, that's, that's less than half the total number of seats available. Um, they'll be fighting hard for others and a lot of those very close ones which are trying to win over from uh, Labour uh, those constituencies they'll still be battling a tough battle with the Brexit party especially because their, their vote's now going to get split still yeah, exactly. and, and now the Brexit party is going to be able to focus their resources in those marginals exactly uh, so it's it's going to be we'll see it, it might turn out backfiring but probably uh, won't That's that the... being said um, <laughs> I imagine on uh, Brexit bills passed by Johnson and foreseeable future, the Brexit party would go in line with what the Conservatives wish. Probably not. Probably not? Probably not. I, I mean, essentially, the Brexit party will do whatever the Brexit party views to be in their own narrow political interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not entirely clear what the objective is. If the objective mm-hmm. is just simply, let's get Farage the platform that he needs mm-hmm. um, to push his agenda right. and also to aggrandize Farage mm-hmm. which is basically what it's always been about um, <laughs> then you know it, it's it, they'll just do whatever they want to do <laughs> basically <laughs> this is not an indication of future behavior basically it's just an indication that Farage doesn't want to step on too many Tory toes okay uh, well yeah, interesting in this election cycle to see you know, a little bit of back scratching going on. Normally, it's kind of back knifing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, the Lib Dems have also had a, a, a back scratching uh, situation going on. The whole, mm-hmm. the whole this this uh, prospective parliamentary candidate, which is right. Yeah. So this is an interesting story. Um, so, <laughs> roughly, what's been going on is uh, Lib Dems of fielding candidates, candidates are then saying, I do not want to be fielded, um, <laughs> citing Tim Walker in Canterbury. Um, essentially over splitting uh, the potential Brexit vote. Or the um, Labour vote, or it's the sort of the anti The anti-Brexit vote, vote yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, an interesting situation, because it seems as though the Lib Dem party are kind of clutching all straws to get as many votes as possible and thus as many seats. They don't seem to be too concerned with diving into Labour's vote share. Um, well, I mean, so, so the argument is that in Canterbury, where the majority was, I think, something in the 200s, mm-hmm. right? like 200 or so votes. So a very, very marginal seat. Very marginal seat. Very and marginal the Lib Dems got several thousand votes at the last election. Right. The logic is, this is a very important election. We can't afford to let this seat slide mm-hmm. to the Tories. So we're going to give Labour a clear run. And and the, the specific Labour candidate in that seat was very Remainer, yep. uh, okay. very pro-Remain. Right. Uh, the issue is, is, and there was another guy who said that he was considering stepping down, mm-hmm. and then got deselected by the party. Yeah, uh, which was which was quite funny. Um, the Liber- Liberal Democrat activists are really mad about this whole situation. They think right. that the uh, party leadership has really screwed it up. Uh, so, so it's it's it, it will be interesting to see how that develops, whether like, or not there'll be I, as a as a splitting. Lib Dem member. What do you what do you make of it? I I I, I I'm very mad. I'm yeah. very mad. Would you, would you, if you were voting, or maybe let's say you're a candidate, would you think it would be a good idea to possibly give up um, Lib Dem a possible seat for increasing the chance as a Labour seat or anti anti Brexit or yeah anti Brexit? Well, Canterbury would not be a Labour would not be a Lib Dem seat under any in any scenario. Right. Uh, there are very entrenched uh, Tory and Labour bases there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a dichotomy between there's the possibility of it becoming a Lib Dem seat or uh, making it a Labour seat. Yeah. It's trying to preserve the Labour majority yeah. by, by sort of by saying, well, Labour is the lesser evil here, yeah. uh, and, and the Tories are the far greater evil, and therefore okay. we must back Labour. Now, so it's, it's quite an interesting kind of like ethical um, nuance here, I think. It's sort yeah. of, but but it basically it comes back to the 
reality that Labour is refusing to do any electoral pacts whatsoever with other, okay. you know, second referendum remain supporting parties. Which is surprising because that's what the polls have suggested. Brexit has been the, the major deciding factor. in. Yeah, it's, it's a very, it's, it's just fence sitting all the way down. And, and it, it's particularly frustrating because the polling suggests that if such an alliance were actually formalised and right. you know, there weren't mass exoduses from, from any of these blocks mm-hmm. uh, or defections, um, they could very easily win a majority on that basis. Okay. Uh, which is why it's it's so very frustrating that we have situations like this where Liberal Democrat candidates are forced to stand aside and mm-hmm. are then punished by party leadership. Right. Um, when really it, it's, it's entirely Labour's fault because it, under an electoral pact, this guy would have stood aside. There was no way that the Lib Dems were going to win that seat. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a Labour Tory marginal. Um, under an electoral pact, it, it, this whole point would be moot. But sadly, we're in the situation. Okay. Well, um, um, moving swiftly on to yeah. other other things which have occurred in the last seven days. Uh, Frank Dobson, uh, the former Labour House Secretary, has unfortunately died at the age of seventy nine. Condolences um, to his family. Um, personally, I wasn't alive uh, to really feel the full force of anything that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, However, seems a significant man 20 years ago, possibly something that we could have been talking about. It's been a general um, outpouring of sport. There have been floods. So 500 yeah. homes have been flooded in Doncaster. More than 1,000 properties are evacuated in areas hit by the floods. The village of Fish Lake has been evacuated. There's been no call of a, a national emergency by Boris Johnson, although he has chaired COBRA committee meetings. The Environment Agency has issued 30 flood warnings. Swinson and Corbyn have both denounced Johnson's actions and they want a, a national emergency to be called. Um, what do we think about this? It's probably a poor political decision by Johnson. You think? Yeah. Uh, I, him going down there, he went up there even uh, mm-hmm. up yesterday. There. <laughs> um, down from here. Down from here, <laughs> up, up from there. Uh, he went there yesterday and he just got scathing responses by the people who mm. are dealing yeah. with, with there, there were there were the lots of videos kind of op- people openly pawing him it's, <laughs> it's 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 bad and it's the kind of thing that paints you know the tories is out of touch it's the same yep. thing that happened yeah, yeah. in the last electoral cycle with with theresa may uh if the tories are painted as being these out of touch uh blue blood um individuals without solid grounded connections with the regular people, then mm-hmm. then there's going to be uh, defections to Labour, even, despite Brexit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's interesting that you started your, your answer by saying it's a poor political decision, because I'm not convinced that this this issue is necessarily should be a political one at all. No. Um, you know, these are real people being affected. Um, Christmas's you know, lives will be at least kind of temporarily ruined um, because of what, what's happened. Um, so the Lib Dems have, what seems to me, uh, kind of taken advantage of situations. Winston's promised five billion in extra to flood the def- flood defences. Um, personally, I I'm not a massive fan of taking advantage of of terrible situations like these. Um, I'm not really sure how much of effect uh, extra money invested in flood defences would do. Um, in a lot of cases, flood defences cause uh, a lot of problems uh, rather than improvements for example where do you put the the flood defenses do you put it in areas that were just recently flooded or places that you think will be flooded in the future um is it fair that some towns get better defenses than others um i don't necessarily think it's a a straightforward nor a political political issue um no but the the issue is that it's it's all a matter of perception yeah right like it's how the different parties are perceived like are they perceived to be dealing with a humanitarian crisis with the due humanity that it deserves mm-hmm. uh, or are they perceived as again not being in touch with the suffering that's occurring mm-hmm. and if you go there and immediately afterwards and you offer you know money and you have a, a specific policy that you can you know say look we are going to do something about this we appreciate that this is horrible mm-hmm. um, then that has a different perception, uh, which is important ultimately in in terms of politics. But but I agree, it's 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 the kind of thing where, unfortunately, there there are some issues that it feels as though politicizing them is just wrong. Yeah, the unfortunate reality is that the people who make the decisions that mitigate the consequences of these disasters are politicians, mm-hmm. right. and so 
inherently the issue is political because of who is making the decisions uh, relating to the, the crises. And I, I, I understand the frustration entirely there. Right. Well, other miscellaneous pieces of uh, of news from the last week. Yeah. Um, there's a, a Russian report, which is, is, report. is not being released. Oh, my God. Um, there's been even more spending promises from, from both parties. Yeah. And then hating on the said kind of spending promise by the other yeah, parties. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole Russia thing, incidentally. Yeah. Uh, Hillary flipping Clinton. Yeah. Hillary Clinton commented on that. Yeah, okay. I, I had to do a double take on that. I was like, is there another, is there like an American Russia report that, that hasn't come out or something? And, and, and she's, no, she was she was like, oh, no, the, the British need to release this report. Mm-hmm. And you're like, stop coming after us, man. Stop coming after us. Um, I was fascinated. Apparently there's, a, there's details that, uh, Tory donors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of like Russian oligarchs are, are Tory donors, um, right? And, and gave to vote leave in in the uh, lead up to the to the uh, referendum. But of course, we don't know that because we haven't seen the report because yeah. they haven't released the report. It, it, it seems a, so, a bit of a stupid move not to release the report. It is. It is um, very well. I mean, maybe it's intelligent because right now it's sort of simmering at the the periphery. But it, but right. if it was released, then it might actually be be damning. Possibly, so, yeah. Possibly they're just taking the the small kind of uncool hint of uh you know not releasing the report um as opposed to what's actually involved in the said report um but hey we'll see um it's also the the one trillion pound yeah uh sasha javid uh went sajid sajid javid um one of my friends said that his um his uh, his economic theory, his uh-huh. personal economic theory, is like an eight year old who just discovered free markets for the first oof, time. Oof, <laughs> oof, Jesus, Jesus. So I thought I thought it was quite. Strange. I mean, I think he has had a, a at least a thirty year long relationship with 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 free markets. Um, but he released this thing which said that that all labour policies would cost about one point two trillion pounds, mm-hmm. and that taxes on every household in the country would increase by something like £45,000. This is, of course, absurd. Uh, and uh, he got called a liar on national television <laughs> and said yeah. that, that this was, this was you know, false n- news or whatever. It's just a bad look uh, overall. And, and especially uh, today, there was, there was a report that said that uh, A&E wait times are the highest, uh, the worst... Uh, since recording began in 2004. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the, just the, appalling. The NHS is uh, voted by said voters in the upcoming general election yep. as the second most important issue uh, in the election apart from Brexit. Um, so so and m- maybe, maybe you know, voters would be very happy to spend £1.2 trillion pounds on the NHS. Well, if, potentially. Yeah. And also, um, <laughs> it's interesting to note that um, GDP spending... Actually, no, sorry. The percentage of government spending... Um, overall, if you take a percentage of that for the NHS, it's at the lowest, or it's very below par for the average for 1945 to the present day. That's, that's um, so it seems as though investment in NHS is a natural policy that most parties should be making at this general election. Well, I mean, they all are. Exactly. They all, all are, all are so. promising uh, spending in the spending increase, increases to the NHS because it is a popular policy. The, the, the issue is that, that the Tories always promise it. And they've been in government for the last nine years. Yeah. The, the, the issue is, will, will the British people actually hold them to account for their record? As I said, will my brother be receiving his birthday present that I promised him? <laughs> Isn't that always the case, you know? <laughs> so bold predictions for the next week. I don't know. Any f- no food-related scandals no just food yet. No food-related scandals just yet. So we're holding out hope. Um, you know, uh, Labour will probably creep up a couple more points. It's about as dramatic. About as dramatic. Who, who knows? Who, who knows? knows? A Brexit party vote share will probably collapse down to like four percent. Is my my bet. Sorry. Break, Brexit party vote share will collapse down to about four percent. All going to the Tories. All going to the Tories. I think that's my that's my bold prediction that the Tories are going to be polling about forty five percent this time next week. Okay. Well, we'll wait and see. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, by any means necessary, please do get. Uh, or just message us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Instagram, we are Backbench Pod. Facebook, we are the Backbench. The Backbench Pod. I don't podcast, know. Just, like it's pretty. Just search Backbench on just Facebook. It's pretty. It's pretty we're, straightforward. We're, we're we're on all social yeah. medias apart S- from MySpace. Probably skip us. <laughs> skip us a message and, and tell us what what you think will happen uh, and why. Uh, because we'd be very interested to hear your opinions. Right. Well, that's it for part one. That's uh, part one. See you in part two. See you in part two.
Right, um, part two. Get out your boarding passes. We're going international. <laughs> Is that a plane noise? That was plane noise. Car noise. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That was. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, hello, welcome to Bolivia. Bolivia. Not the best place to be at the moment. No. Um. Politically, it's a bit of a mess. So, the former president Evo Morales has stood down. Um. The opposition senator. Uh, Añez, am I pronouncing that correctly? I have Hopefully. no idea. Uh, my Spanish no is terrible. Idea. Has assumed power. Um, so President Morales' reg- resignation followed weeks of protest about a disputed election result. Um, so the country's uh, constitutional court has upheld uh, the new leader, um, Añez, as the, the kind of rightful leader. However, I, I think I think it, that makes the most sense. Because oh. As I saw it, it was, there, was, there was a clear line of succession as well. But she's like the fourth in line. Yeah, that's the thing. So, ev- so everyone in front of her has resigned. It's kind of like designated survivor. Yeah, kind of, it really is. The kind of seventh person in charge suddenly becoming the president. It's, it's like the, the, um, the president pro tempore of the United States Senate taking over. That's like, whoa. But this is um, the heavy protests, uh, very violent. Um, not sure on the exact statistics for the number of death slash injuries or even if there are any. It's, it's um, however, there are kind of simmers of people kind of coming out with signs of of kind of civil war let's go type thing yeah it's Um, it's a bit nasty um i think there's a lot of key questions of legitimacy here um democracy has it has it really well so i think it's important it's important to bear in mind where this all came from right so there was there was um even morales I, i believe he's now he would be serving his fourth term right now right uh that's or is it his third? It's either or. Um, in any case, it was sort of extra constitutional in a way. Extra constitutional. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what he seemed to what, what I recall him doing is what he did was he served out uh, the number of terms that he was allowed to, mm-hmm. and then he changed the constitution and then he changed it back and then ran for another term. Um, okay. It was a bit weird, and there was a court case about it. It got resolved. He won. Whatever. Then on twentieth of October, there was uh, this election, which was slightly. Dirty and the, yep. the 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 organization of American states, the OAS, yep. released a report saying we don't think this was right. This mm-hmm. is clearly irregular. We can't certify the results of this election. Okay. Hence protests, yada yada. And then the flipping, uh, what what really is is grinding a lot of people the wrong way. And, and what what has created so much controversy about this is that the army and the police uh, stepped in mm-hmm. um, after Morales had already called for new elections. Okay. So so Morales went. You know what? OAS report, fine. There was there were electoral irre- irre- irregularities. Mm-hmm. We will have new elections, yep. and they won't be busted. <laughs> and then four hours later, the army says you should step down. If the army's saying you should step down, it's probably a pretty clear indication of what you should be doing. <laughs> well, the the issue with that is the army shouldn't be doing that. Period. Well, okay, yeah. So that like, that does say, you know, where is power really? Yeah, really held within it's, Bolivia. It's 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 a difficult, it's a difficult situation because yeah, all right. Even Morales is probably not the best guy. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he's trying to engineer ways to stay in power past when the constitution says right. that he should be exactly, and that that's the whole idea of a, a constitution within a constitution. Right. Democracy, right. It shouldn't be one man rising above but the powers of government. He, to form he his own recognized. Rules. He recognized that there were irregularities, and he'd already called for new elections. So so mm. that the. the the problem had sort of been resolved, and then the army and the police stepped in and were like, hey, actually, no, we don't like you now. Well, I mean, would you really call that a resolution to the problem? It's a very unsatisfactory one. Well, new, new, well the, the issue was the elections were bad, so let's mm-hmm. have new elections. I think that's a completely reasonable thing oh, to say. Oh, right. I thought you were talking about in reference to the whole kind of fifth-term president thing. <laughs> well, the whole... Yeah, but the, the, the issue with that is that it was constitutional. <laughs> right, <laughs> they, so maybe they, it's they just a bad the constitution then. Maybe it's a bad constitution. We're kind of going that's... back to, to 1933 Weimar Germany. Sure, but, but, the, but the issue is that... that, that um, if the people have the opportunity to vote for him, mm-hmm. and it's it's a free and fair election, yeah. then whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not really the place of, and especially considering what's happened after he stepped down. Right. Uh, the, the opposition leaders ha- have said some really quite hideously racist things. Okay. Um, uh, because uh, Eva Morales was the first indigenous uh, president of Bolivia. Right. And the opposition is primarily Christian. Mm-hmm. And what they've been doing is they've been running around saying, you know, uh, there, there's the the opposition leader went to, I think it was the presidential palace, 
and said, no longer shall Pachamama, uh, you know, sort of the, the uh, indigenous deity, uh, have reign here. Only Christ shall, shall, shall mm-hmm. uh, be here ever again. And there's this very racially charged and sectarian element to all of this okay. uh, that, that is, is potentially falling by the wayside. And that's what adds this sort of sinister spin to the whole thing. Right, yeah, and that, that's kind of a symptom of, of political upheaval potentially occurring in the future. Potentially. potentially. And th- there's really no good reason for it. Like, well, yeah, it's, it's a bit uncool just to suddenly go on a charge about someone's race. Yeah, um, or, or, or their religion. It's, 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 yeah. it's why, why I'm particularly unsympathetic to the opposition. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an ugly situation. Well, again, right? so we'll be monitoring this situation. We'll, we'll, hopefully we'll, we won't have to talk about it in coming weeks. Oh, that, hopefully not. That's, that's the ideal thing. It but, seems to say we're kind of talking about constant right. putting out of fires in the international section. But, I mean, ideally, this, this um, interim president will hold new elections. Yeah, the, that, yeah that, that, that seems the The idea is that, that there'll be, um, in the Constitution, it's mandated if you're an interim president, then you have to hold new elections within 90 days. The issue with this is that some of the opposition are saying the entire party to which Eva Morales belonged should not be allowed to run in these elections. Right. That's the, that's the, the, the threat to, to, to democracy here is if they're not allowed to run. Yeah. Um, Which would, that's, that's pretty obviously not a good thing. I think. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the bad, the bad thing, thing. to, Anyways, to tabs on. Moving on, moving turns on. out there are elections in more places than the UK. Who um, so Spanish elections have just been held. Uh, there was an election last Sunday. Uh, the socialists have formed the government. Um, no, yet, they haven't formed a government. Well, they won. They won. <laughs> they won. Okay, <laughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Still feeling <laughs> under the weather today. Sorry. Uh, they they haven't got a majority, however. Uh, Pedro Sanchez, I believe, their leader. Um, yeah. So the Conservative Popular Party came in second, and the far right Vox Party came in third. They have, I think, at least doubled their seat number since the last election yeah, in it April. Was, it was a massive surge. Um, so the last vote, as I said before, was in April when the Socialists won three more seats, and they did this time round. So they lost seats the second time round, which is yeah. a bit weird. Um, so nothing's really been cleared up in Spain? No. The big the big takeaway from all of this is obviously Vox, the far right, winning a massive amount of seats. Yeah, so third, That's new. third largest party in third Spain is, party. They, is They were previously pretty like, de minimis. They weren't yeah. really a thing, and then they have been crept up, especially in April and then now. Yeah. It's a big deal. And they've won these votes at the expense of the sort of centre-right party. Mm-hmm. I can't pronounce this. Ciudadanos? Well, this is the issue with the international Ciud- section. Ciud- um, Ciud- <laughs> well, it's all these... Hold on until we get to the, the Romanian president. Yeah, they're, they're like the Citizens <laughs> Party or something in English. Um, and they've collapsed. They used to. I think they used to be the third largest party. Now they've right. just completely imploded. Well, collapse of centre parties, especially established ones, is not... It's a kind of symptom of kind of a, a slightly failing, distrusting political electorate. Is that but potentially, I, it's the the Spain used to be a pretty two party system. Right, it used to be the socialists versus the conservatives, and then it's fragmented outwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ciudad Adnos, if that's how you pronounce it, um, is a pretty newcomer to the sort of national electoral sphere because they came out of Catalonia. Mm-hmm. Um, in I think I think they first started competing nationally in 2015, mm-hmm. so they're really new. Okay. Um, they're not terribly well established, and then they, they've just been fighting to uh, catch up with, in particular, the conservatives have been their, their primary target, and then the socialists have fragmented uh, as well. And you, in fact, what what they did today is they they came to an agreement with one of their fragments, the, the Unidos Podemos, uh, which is a left wing anti austerity party, mm-hmm. uh, and they they've managed to agree to a coalition. It's not actually a, a coalition government mm-hmm. because they still are about twenty one seats shy of. A majority. Right. So they need to convince either the Catalonian separatists mm-hmm. to n- abstain from sort of their confidence vote to to establish this government, mm-hmm. um, or they need to convince uh, Ciudad Adnos <laughs> to abstain. One of the okay. two would, would do it, and then you'd have a government in Spain. But it would be a very fragile minor- minority coalition government. So more instability is essentially. Basically, yeah. And there's okay. a real threat that you're looking at a third general election. <laughs> right. And at a certain point, I mean, you know, if... if And I think the major, major danger of a third general election would be Vox further increasing their vote share if people are finding the current kind of political institutions... I, I, think, I think they've hit their cap. Really? I think they've hit their cap. I think that everyone who's going to vote for Vox just did. 
I, I think that the, the, the thing about right-wing parties is that they typically ta- like top out mm-hmm. um, in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obviously optimistic, but but you got to hope. <laughs> that's a, a liberal Democrat optimistic. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, Big up the centrist. We, we got to be. We got to be. Um, there was a Romanian presidential election yeah. on the tenth of November. Yeah. Um, so nothing has been decided yet. It was the first round of a two-round two round vote. It's like France. Yeah. Um, so Klaus Ioannis. That was pretty good. I think it's Joh- yeah. Johannes. Johannes. Yeah, I just say it's, it's a German name. So oh, right. he's like it's actually kind of interesting. Um, he's another minority president. Like even Morales uh, was yeah. was uh, well not minority but indigenous. Oh, sort of <clears throat> non-traditional ethnic groups becoming president. Yep. He's a German. He's he's a Transylvanian Saxon apparently, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> and it's not a, he's not actually ethnically a Romanian. And he had this like sort of rise from being uh, the mayor of the city for three successive terms and then he, he went into parliament and he, he's been president since 2014 and he's been doing quite well for himself apparently right so, so um yeah. so he's he's made it into the second round which yep. will be a choice between two candidates two I candidates think. him and a woman whose name is unpronounceable and i won't attempt to but she's yep. from the social democrats and, and johannes is from the pnl which is basically the tories um, they're a liberal yeah, uh, conservative. A liberal conservative, yeah. Yeah, uh, they're not. They're, they're, they're fairly. They're not. You know, nasty conservatives. <laughs> they're not like right. Fidesz or um, you know the, the Law and Justice Party in Poland. That mm-hmm. uh, they're they're a genuinely good collaborative. Apparently, he's done a really good job working with um, other parties while he's been president, and he's got a thirty-point lead in the polls over his uh, uh, competitor in the second round right now. Right. Uh, so probably going to Claus Johannes probably going to win. Well, uh, we'll see. The, the next 24th. the next vote will be on the 24th of November. Yeah. And so probably not next week, but a week after that, we'll be letting you know the results. Um, significance of this in international power politics, probably we probably can overstate it a bit. Um, however, we'll see. Anyway, moving on, I just wanted to do a small section on a country which I found very interesting. Um, so recently in my classes, we've been doing something about kind of failed oil states. Um and Cameroon came to mind. Um, so in Cameroon, uh, there's been growing tensions, essentially. Um, the reasons why are difficult and quite deep-rooted, I believe. Um, however, the president, Paul Beer, has been there for 37 years. Um, it's essentially quite corrupt. And as I said before, since 2016, protests, etc., have been starting to increase and there's dangers that things may escalate in Cameroon. Um, we thought it's probably important to say because uh, a lot of, again, kind of humanitarian rights, um, I think something like half of the people who have been displaced by recent violence have not got uh, the UN kind of minimal uh, credentials for a shelter, which is kind of one stick and two pieces of pa- plastic, yeah. I think, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so and it's I haven't seen it being reported on various other news sources very well. Um, so I thought it was important to, essentially important to to talk about. Um, but again, this isn't an interesting one. I think from an international perspective, actually, <laughs> unlike the Romania presidential election, because um, <laughs> essentially what you have is a uh, Paul Beer. He's kind of lesser of two evils. He's very corrupt. Um, however. Um, its armies are doing work for the United Nations and it's also fighting uh, Boko Haram and the Islamic State around Lake Chad. Their troops have been trained by the USA as they're on France. However, he's not necessarily liked by the people. Um, So it's this kind of like fake democracy, kind of there's international hands all over Cameroon at the moment. And you can't help but feel as though some of the internal mess that's been caused has been because of foreign policy towards it by major players in the international stage. Such as? Is it uh, just pumping in money to support the existing regime or is there more concrete support? Um, well, probably a bit both. <laughs> um, but I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen it reported that kind of there's one massive kind of player. I haven't seen Donald Trump kind of necessarily tweet, oh, we love, we love Paul Beer, you know, he's our guy. Um, I mean, don't give him ideas. However, I do think that if there was more international pressure to democratize and and have proper not rigged elections, which the recent ones have obviously been, um, then possibly Maybe. different outcomes may. Maybe. May it's it's always it's always with with this kind of situation. It's always a question of is continuing stability good. 
or, or does the stability that people use to justify non-interference does it actually exist right mm. like if if you have say the united states britain you know you get old western uh quote-unquote good guys going in there and saying hey you all should democratize uh, and we're going to put serious pressure on you we're going to put economic sanctions in place we're going to i don't know arm opposition rebels or whatever um the kind of thing that, that they have from time to time been known to do uh, would that actually be beneficial mm-hmm. um it's, it's always just a really thorny question unfortunately uh, it'd be really interesting if if anyone's listening who who is from cameroon or, or from the region if they have an opinion uh that that would be uh, great uh, if you could reach out to us uh, with that because it would be yeah. great to have some local uh, idea because you know I- I've never been there. <laughs> Again, the Batbench Pod on Instagram and probably something similar. Probably on Facebook. something similar on Facebook. <laughs> um, um, please yeah. do reach out to us. We'd love to know your opinions. And if you do find yourself wondering about Cameroon, please do search it up. Um, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, join us in part, part three for part three. A, a little bit of chat about America. Right, welcome back to part three, where we'll be going on uh, a little bit of a discussion about US politics and maybe a bit of forced family fun at the end. Um, so firstly, impeachment. Oh my God. There have been hearings. Oh my God, it happened. It, it, finally. It, yeah. Um, <laughs> so these ones have been in reference to Ukraine. The, the whole Ukraine shenanigans. Ukraine shenanigans. Yeah. You have to admit, there's a lot of dodgy kind of it's it's a messy the alley situations getting yeah. unleashed here. Yeah. But yeah. Th- this is the thing: uh, the guys they brought in to kick off the testimony mm-hmm. were the least back alley dudes <laughs> imaginable. Right. right on the one hand, you have a former lieutenant colonel in I think the navy, mm-hmm. uh, who is the former ambassador, and in the other hand, you have uh, a career uh, civil servant. It's always been in the State Department. Has been i think he was like in the current role for that he's in for like 10 years right. uh, he has a military family going back like five generations um he wears a bow tie to uh yeah Capitol that was Hill, Hill murray is his name uh, kent kent is kent, the guy sorry um who wore the bow tie which was a really interesting plaid th- it was weird um, i mean it is it is kind of your major tv opportunity of your lifetime isn't it and you're just gonna go that like wearing a beige suit and like you have to weird... rock your outfit really. oh, <laughs> um it was it was Incredibly State Department. Like these right. guys. Have you seen Burn After Reading? No. Oh, it's Cohen Brothers film. There's John Malkovich. He's like a CIA analyst, <laughs> and he has that same bow tie. It's like oh, really right. creepy. So, how how like a bit of inspiration <laughs> on brand this is um, <laughs> for that like specific kind of person. And in any case, they were boring as hell. Yeah. They were so boring. I like watched about two hours of this stuff. It mm-hmm. was it was brain meltingly dull right uh the, but the important thing are, is are impeachment hearings meant to be fun uh, but yeah some of them are okay you know i mean they're mostly emotionally awful uh things like the, what happened to monica Lewinsky is is just terrible yeah okay her right. mother was forced to testify against yep. her or yep. so. it was dreadful but this is this was really dull um in a good way uh basically <laughs> it, it, they managed to get a bunch of corroborative uh testimony yeah uh nothing was bad for the Democrats. Yep. It was all good news for them. Mm-hmm. And it was all the kind of stuff that people have been saying is going to come out for a while now. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of stuff that they needed to substantiate their case and to m- make it... And, and this was pretty obvious in how Republicans were questioning mm-hmm. uh, because it was entirely focused on how the process was being done. Mm-hmm. They can't go after these witnesses because they are totally unimpeachable. They probably are Republicans themselves. Yeah. Um, they can't go after what they're saying because there's really not a lot you can say about what they're you know saying that's in Mm -hmm. any way because basically what they're doing is they're making it absolutely clear that there was a quid pro quo between the president uh, of the united states and the president of ukraine Mm -hmm. um and they were very explicit in drawing a line between the uh military funding or the military aid Mm -hmm. and the the investigation of the bidens Mm -hmm. They were. They, they said that, yes. This was not just in that phone call. This was a broader campaign uh, run by a sort of non, uh, an informal White House channel mm-hmm. um, that was separate from the uh, regular 
State Department channels. And this is all dreadfully dull. I, 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 you're sort of tuning out here. And <laughs> that, well, that's sort of the thing. But the point is, is, is that it, is it's it dull? All... I mean, it's just it's quite confusing as well. It's terribly confusing. Is, like... this, this, is, this is the fundamental problem that Democrats are going to have to, to overcome. Mm-hmm. They need to make the case so much of a slam dunk. Yeah. Right? He's that, a Michael Jordan at. Fucking slap it in. Yeah. Uh, LeBron James at. Yeah, just an just absolute like layup uh, screamer. And they've got to, because what they have to do is they have to get, they have to convince a bunch of Republican senators to flip. Yeah. Uh, and that's not going to happen. It could happen, but it's not going to happen. Well, unless especially they have a considering really good case. that um, a lot of Republican senators aren't necessarily kind of centrist right Republicans. A lot of them are quite, <laughs> they're quite right wing, kind of quite kind of pseudo yeah. Tea Party. Yeah, and a lot of them um, are facing uh, re-election campaigns. Yeah. So. President Trump's still pre- pretty popular. So, okay. so the, sort of the breakpoint is trying to convince a bunch of Republicans that actually Trump is bad, yep. <laughs> which is okay. is going to be the, the trick. Well, interesting. Well, uh, impeachment hearings will be going on, I assume. Yeah, for the next um, like two two plus weeks. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we'll get plenty of content on that, hopefully. Yeah. Plenty of juicy material. Hopefully it won't be as dull as this one, apparently. <laughs> um, next up, I've got on my title, Crackpot Centrist Democrats. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- this is about um, <laughs> U.S. primaries. U.S. Again. primaries. Um, so essentially, oh, there have boy. been some some new entries. Yeah. Um, have... And people doing weird weird things. Weird weird tactics are being deployed. So you have ex New York Mayor mm-hmm. Michael Bloomberg. Hello. Uh, has he has he formally declared that he'll he run? hasn't yet? Yeah. But he has filed paperwork. Oh. So he hasn't started an actual campaign right. as of yet. But he is he's making all the moves. He's making noises. Mm-hmm. There's some serious steam going forward. Deadline is tomorrow, isn't it? Uh, no. So basically what he did is he filed in all of the relevant states. Mm-hmm. So he's no longer bound by the deadlines. Yeah. But what he did uh, is he said, oh, well, I'm not formally announcing a campaign yet. I'm still deciding as to whether or not I'll actually run. Okay. Uh, which is just the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. So so he's put his, his Amazon order kind of... Yeah. In, he's ready to check out on it. <laughs> so, 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 but the thing that the weird thing that he's doing is he's skipping a bunch of states. Okay. He's skipping the first three and he's going straight to um, Super Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is this big block of states that, ha- that, that all uh, have votes on the same day on a Tuesday. I forget when. Uh, but <laughs> but it's, it's, it's this big thing. And he's skipping Iowa. He's skipping New Hampshire and he's skipping South Carolina. Okay. Which is kind of funky. Iowa and New Hampshire are typically more conservative states. In New Hampshire, you can actually have Republicans voting in the Democratic primary. Okay. And Bloomberg is a right wing for the Democrats, pretty right wing. Okay. Um, so crackpot centrist fits the bill then. Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's probably a Republican, really. If if you're going to you be, think? yeah. Okay. So so what what he in his three terms as New York mayor. Yeah. Um, actually, probably more than that. I forget. Maybe it's four. Um, he got lambasted for a particularly racist uh, policing scheme, you know, stop and frisk. Yeah. Um, okay. And he expanded this program. He had since he's been come from office, he's there's a bunch of allegations about him saying awful, horrible, sexist things about his employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just a piece of work, basically. Okay. Uh, but but he's very good at communicating, mm-hmm. and he has a very good image. Um, yep. And there's a real, he's sort of like the Democratic version of Trump to an extent. Okay. Uh, he's got that. Say. He's got that sort of loud, um, uh, the poor man's billionaire sort of thing about him. And yeah, so the whole kind of like personality cult type thing, name right. recognition to an extent. Um, okay, interesting. But, but not to the same degree. Um, uh, but but but, but feel get involved. The, the other thing is, uh, Deval Patrick actually has announced. Right. Uh, so he's the the former me- uh, governor yeah. of my home state, uh, the, the great state Massachusetts. Uh, I'm wearing a Boston Red Sox uh, T-shirt as I speak <laughs> to you, uh, just to prove my authenticity. Or are you? Uh, I am. I, it's got a big B. Oh, yeah, it's got yeah, a big yeah, B. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's also a centrist, but he's slightly more to the left. He's he's yeah. a proper centrist. Um, uh, is he just another name being chucked about? Ready to come fifth in Iowa or serious contender? Uh, probably more than fifth, but but uh, probably less than the fifth. Like probably about ninth or tenth. Right. Uh, okay. So, the, but the thing is that he's not going to run in Iowa either. Okay. So it's so he's he's skipping Iowa as well. He's interesting because of the strategy. So yeah. For those who don't know, um, Iowa is the first caucus. He's, it's the first caucus state. Caucus, yeah. caucus so uh, for first Democratic primary. primaries, and it basically gives a 
an indicator of what people are thinking in terms of democratic race for, for 2020. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, it's kind of unfairly significant, uh, given the whole kind of, you know, it is Iowa. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's got a, it's got a very interesting demographic and yeah. culture, right? It's a okay. it's a very it's it's a much more conservative state, right? Um, but it has a very good balance of progressives, moderates, and right wingers. Okay. Uh, in the right in the Republican primary, it's a little bit weird because they have a just an ungodly amount of evangelicals, mm-hmm. uh, which sort of skewed a little bit. <laughs> but for Democratic primaries, it's a really good bellwether. Yeah. And if you develop momentum there, then you have a really good case going into the next few states. Uh, Deval Patrick's idea is I'm not going to, I'm going to skip Iowa. I'm not going to really put many resources into that. Yeah. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to go to New Hampshire, right. uh, which is right next to Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, he has had a lot of exposure in their media market before. People mm-hmm. know who he is. And his idea is I'm going to go there, I'm going to win there, and then I'm going to go to South Carolina. And this is the other thing about Deval Patrick is that he's an African-American. And the right. idea is that he's going to appeal to South Carolina's massive uh, African-American uh, population who will be voting in the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, the, the, the shared calculation between Deval Patrick and Michael Bloomberg mm-hmm. is that Joe Biden is not, not long for this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna. He's just gonna combust. Yeah, <laughs> and he's gonna he, he flame out. He looks pretty combustible already. He's so gonna you go. See pictures of him. Yeah, seventy six years old. He's, he's pretty. He's pretty papery. Yeah. Uh, the the key thing is that um, Michael Bloomberg does not have the same demographic appeal as Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden is incredibly good at connecting to uh, white working class mm-hmm. and African American voters. Mm-hmm. Michael Bloomberg is not. Michael yeah. Bloomberg is a middle or upper class guy. That's, that's sort of been his pitch. That's okay. why he's done so well in New York and not so well everywhere else. Okay. Deval Patrick, however, he's, he's very good at connecting to African-American voters. He's very good at connecting to uh, white working, well, slightly worse, white working class voters. But he grew up on the south side of Chicago, yeah. um, which is an urban um, African-American dominated uh, area. Mm-hmm. And so he has a, a very compelling cultural experience okay. um, that he can use to to connect with these voters. And, and basically his thought process is uh, Pete Buttigieg, who is the sort of the other Biden in waiting, mm-hmm. right? Like waiting to capture Biden's support if Biden yep. implodes. Okay. Um, he has done, it's been a narrative that he's terrible at connecting with African-American voters. Right. Deval Patrick has the same pitch essentially mm-hmm. yeah. as as uh, Pete Buttigieg. He's a worse communicator, right. but he's the same basic suite of ideas and the same basic policy positions, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit more to the right. Okay. And his idea is I'm going to ki- blast him out of the water because I'll do fantastically in South Carolina and I'll do really well in southern states okay. um, as well as New Hampshire. Oh, um, well, perfect. Um, yeah. Well, Speaking to Iowa again. Yeah. Um, so it's we've got some Iowa. we've got some great polls for Iowa already. Yeah. Um, Pete, we've had some fun. Yeah, it's been total bonkers stuff. So I mean, the, do, do so, you want to do you want to give them the good news? Well, I mean, Pete, Pete, <laughs> Butty, Butty Gee, but but edge edge, but edge edge, but edge edge, but edge edge. Um, so he came first in yeah. a very recent uh, Iowa poll. And a really good poll as well. This is a Monmouth poll. That's Monmouth. like, it's rated A plus by 538. This is a, a it's a good ass poll, <laughs> which is weird. It's very rare for Iowa to have a good ass poll. And this right. is a good ass poll. Um, interesting things about this. Uh, Harris came sixth instead of fifth. So she's breaking her duck of only she's, coming fifth in polls. She's basically um, done, yeah. <laughs> Considering especially she shifted all of her campaign resources to Iowa like last week. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, gosh, bad and, result. And down. Sorry, Kamala, but let's so say your time is done. More um, or less. Yeah. Um, God, this is going to be wacky material for us to cover until February. It's literally kind of three months worth of content. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing, like in 2004, I want to say, yeah. uh, same basic situation, yeah. right? Uh, first term Republican president, uh, open field for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, one month out uh, from Iowa, you had four guys leading the polls, mm-hmm. none of whom won Iowa. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. it, Iowa polls are weird. Things can happen in like, like that. We have three yeah. months left yeah. before everything. And we're seeing a four-way tie yeah. in Iowa. Literally four, like the last four polls to come out of Iowa. Again, two of them are A plus rated. One of them yeah. shows Pete three points to the lead, but ahead of Warren in second place, Biden in third place, and Sanders in fourth place. And they're all in the seventeen to twenty-two point range. Right. So they're it's all incredibly tight. Incredibly tight. Yeah. And Warren also had another A plus poll that put a three points ahead of everyone else. Basically the same spread as well. Mm-hmm. And then the other two polls we've had out in the last week, also with that same spread. 
uh, from 17 to 22. Again, Biden in front in those polls, but okay, well, yeah, who cares? Um, it's it's incredibly tight. It's incredibly neck and neck, and it's going to be really interesting to see um, whether or not Biden can can stick in the race. Because again, okay, interesting. As we mentioned last week, yeah, he's having cash flow problems. Yeah, uh, he has far less money in the bank than any other can- contender mm-hmm. as of now. And with Bloomberg and Patrick coming into the race, mm-hmm. and with Buttigieg doing so well, mm-hmm. these are all guys who are all competing for the same donors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're all competing for the same center-left, uh, big money donors, and if those big money donors say, you know what, an investment in Biden is just simply not going to pay for itself, mm-hmm. we need to switch gears and go go for someone else. He might be dead uh, very very quickly. Well, uh, I hope politically. Well, politically, <laughs> politically, obviously, you wouldn't want to wish, wish that on anyone. Um, but yeah, it's, well, it's be it is still three months out, so possibly good not to read too much into we'll it. We'll see. Obviously, we'll see. Um, obviously, we'll see. Um, I suppose it's nothing three, else three months to say out, about that. But there's yeah. really, really fascinating developments, and, and that's really good to see. This is a, okay. this is a good primary. Uh, it's a, a good, good fun primary for the nerds. Nice. For the nerds, they do it for us. I, 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 I know that for a fact. Um, so we've got about two minutes, some quick forced family fun. Some forced family fun. Go on, um, force it on me. So the the Lib Dem uh, oh, no. uh, anti <laughs> anti Brexit marcher, uh, what do you call it? like megaphone man? The the, the um, guy with the top hat, right? The guy with the top hat. The guy he, with the top hat. He's running. He's oh, fuck. he's a where he, is he running in? I have no idea. <laughs> and I admit, I have no idea what his name is as well. Oh, um, I feel, it's pretty lax research on my on my yeah, part. Yeah, that's 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 um, pretty poor. But that's that that poor. I thought that was quite good, quite a good crack. I, I, it's good crack. Yeah. Yeah. I I. I, I you know he's he's good. He's he's already got uh, media experience. Yeah. No, he's been on BBC uh, <laughs> from from a distance. I'll admit uh, more more times than I think most candidates are uh, going into this electoral cycle. So you know yeah. I, I'm I'm as a Lib Dem member, I'm very enthusiastic to have him on board. Hopefully he won't uh, be forced to stand stand well, aside stand yeah. aside <laughs> for, for, for a green or something. Yeah. Um, but you know anything anything anything's possible. Anything's possible. Um, Speaking of standing aside, <laughs> Brexit yeah. Party candidates. They're oh, really right. mad. <laughs> they are so mad. They are. They are pretty mad. Um, so I was trying to find favorite, uh, my favorite quotes from former Brexit Party MP candidates. Instead, I ended up looking at Michael Owen quotes. Um, <laughs> <coughs> he's hit it with the facial part of his head there. That, that's a favorite one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the team that normally scores more goals wins. Um, thank you, Michael Owen. This is all just. Michael amazing. Owen is a national treasure. Um, he really is. I think he was a childhood hero of mine. Was he? Yeah, I, I'm a big Liverpool supporter. Oh gosh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've I've been like I I um. It's a funny story. This I I watched them the under twenty one uh, Liverpool team. Yeah. Smash Man City's under twenty one team. Right. Three nil. Yeah. And on the basis of that sample size of one, at the yeah. age of I think it was six or something. Yeah. I decided that I would always support Liverpool because they're clearly very good. Any any cool players in that team? Uh, no, I can't. I can't no, bloody remember. Can't remember I, I watched like five minutes of that game. Um, but <laughs> but I've supported Liverpool ever since. So you know, you'll never walk alone, uh, Jezza. You'll never walk alone. <laughs> that's good to hear. Um, I think that's just about all we have time for. Um, yeah. Well, that's goodbye from me and uh, goodbye from me as well. Goodbye. Sad. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.